When you first created your very first email, you're like, okay, here we go. Oh, my name's taken, what else? And I struggled and I thought, what could I possibly put as my email? Because this is like the one statement that is defining who I am. All of it is encapsulated. I need to find everything I love and who I am and I need to get it in this email address. And I struggled with that because honestly, I've struggled with this idea of who I am. Who am I? This question of who am I? What are the things that define me? That, that question asked did not stop when I created my first email, which was Voitrain, by the way. Uh, end of my last name and the word train, because I like trains. Um, I like turtles. Um, this question we asked, man, what is it? What is it that defines who we are? Who am I? That's a question we ask. We walk onto college campus. You know, the very first question we ask as we, as we leave home and we come to college, we get away from our family and our parents, we ask this question, am I worthy of love? Am I worthy of love? Am I worthy of the attention of other people? Am I worthy of love? Who am I? What are the things that are defining me? What are the things that are making me up? What do people think of me? Are people going to like me? Are people going to know me? What am I going to be known for? What are my greatest accomplishments? What are my greatest failures? What are the things I want to be known for? Who am I? When we're young, we start to get good at something. And most of us have some sort of talent that we discovered when we were young. And it easily could have become a really, really big deal. Some of us, it was. For some of us, that's still a big deal. That was a thing that defined us. And so it's still a thing. We may look back at the email we started 15 years ago on Club Penguin. I don't even know if that's email. It's not. It's penguins hang out, I guess. Um, <laughs> for some of us, it's still that same thing. So the same thing as, as we figure out what is it that we are worth? Are we worthy of love? What am I worth? And as a desire, as we have a desire to add more worth to that, we start to filter the content and the information that we put out to the world to tell them who we are. All right, we start to get defined by things and then we start to identify with them and then that's the content that we push forward to the world. And we used to do this with our, our screen name, but now it's done mostly through social media. Here's what I push and I am the biggest victim. I was thinking, I do not do this myself. I do not care what I look like. And then I went back in my Instagram and I noticed that every time I go on vacation, I post like 10 photos. And in my real life, I post nothing. And what is that saying about me? I kind of thought about this. What is this saying about me? I, do I, what do I want people to think? I want people to think my life is adventurous. I want people to think I'm fun. Hang out with me. It'll always be an adventure. Look down the feed as if anyone just looks down someone's feed. We all think everyone does. I know we don't really. Um, my adventurous life, all I do is adventure. That's 100%. I never have a normal, boring, mundane day. And it's not the only way. It's done so often in the way that we uh, communicate with each other and the information that we decide to filter. I met with the InSpeaking team, a group of students this week, talk about what are ways that we try to control the information output of who we are in conversation. And, and right away, I mean, this got a ton of answers right away about, man, all the normal questions that we get in college, I have a response to them, and I've learned how to shape that response to make people think the way that I want them to think. Okay, I'm gonna give you some examples. I want you to think about the way you do this in your life. I thought this was really good, okay? Uh, Normal college questions. You meet somebody, what's your major? What's your major? Everyone has an answer to it. 
Okay, I'm gonna give you some. This is kind of vulnerable for some people, but I'm gonna give them to you because everyone says something, most of us do, and then we add on something because we know what people are assuming. We assume what people are going to assume. I like these. Someone said, I'm a psych major. But every time I say that, I say, oh, I'm a psych major, but, but I'm going into PA school because I want people to know I have a plan because maybe psych majors don't have plans. I don't know. Someone says, I'm a linguistics major, but it's actually much harder than people think. There is science involved. <laughs> okay, and we say this because I have had too many friends that have said, linguistics, I took a linguistics 100 intro class. It was really easy. You have an easy major. Um, I'm a geography major, but it's not just about maps. I'm trying to get into nursing school, but only 95 out of 600 people get into nursing school. So if I don't get in, I'm still a valuable person. That's, that was more information than they said, but that's, that was Mike's take on that. Nobody really said that. I think we do the same thing with our living situation. Someone asked, where do you live? Uh, someone said, I live in the dorms. But every time I tell somebody I live in the dorms at UW, I think that they think the dorms are boring or that I don't like it. So I tell them I live in the dorms, but I love my dorm. It's fun, it's social. Someone else says, I'm in a sorority. And I, I, do, I think people might think that I'm fake. So I say, I'm in a sorority, but my house is very real. People are very real. I was talking with someone from SPU today. They said, every dorm on campus has its own stereotype. And so they're like, when they say, what dorm do you live in? Automatically they go, I live in Ashton, but I'm not crazy. I'm not like, I don't go crazy because apparently it's a party dorm at SPU. We'll see how crazy that really is. Um, I want people to think, I don't want people to think I'm crazy just because I live in Ashton. We filter the content. We filter the output so we can control the identity that we are putting forward to the world. I just want you to think for a second how you do this if you are asked those questions by a stranger. And when we, when we use the word identity here or the branding of ourselves, what we're really talking about is the things in our life that we look to to help figure out what our value is. Okay, that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. If people didn't know the second half of this statement, they may be devaluing me in their mind, that's a fear of mine. We're on a search to figure out our worth. We all are, what am I worth? Am I worth it? Am I worth the attention of others? Am I worth the love of others? Am I worth the love of God? Am I worth the attention of God? Am I worth the good things of God? What is my life worth? For the next four weeks, we're gonna hear four individual stories up front of, of the way that people are interacting with this question, not just one day, but currently as well, because I think this is a big thing for us. We're not actually that great at figuring out what we're worth. We're not the best judges. Most of in, us in this room probably devalue ourselves in certain ways. And so tonight what I wanna do is, is I actually wanna share some pieces of my story. Uh, I'd like to say they're somewhat vulnerable pieces, but they're definitely big pieces that have shaped who I am. Uh, as we do that tonight, I, I want you to think about not only to engage with, with my story, um, but engage with your own story as well. And, and where the places are that we are looking for worth, that we're looking for value, and what we are using in our life to find that value. Does that make sense? Is that cool? Is it cool if I share with you guys a little bit? No? Okay. We'll just sing more. We got a great band. Let me pray for us. We're going to jump in. Jesus, 
God, be with us during this time. Lord, help us out. See the way that you're working currently, actively, right now in our life. God, that you're not a God that one day showed up, did something and left. But the present day, you're moving and alive and creating something new in us. God, as we gather tonight, open our eyes to the new thing that you want to do in us. Mm, amen. Okay. Uh, my story really is this discovery of worth. And it started when I was about four or five years old. That's about as far back as I can remember. And really quickly in life, I figured out that I was good at math. Yeah, very good at math. My dad was a math teacher for 16 years. Plus, I always think just really logically about things. It was a perfect recipe. Uh, my dad made us do math problems at the table before we could get dinner at night. And it taught me that math is an important subject that I better learn. And then as I got better, my dad would pull me out. Uh, like at holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the kids would be in one room. All the adults would be in the other room, talking, boring, you're playing. And then my dad would pull me in and say, hey, Michael, Michael, I got a, okay, I got a problem for you. He'd get a, he'd line everyone else up, all the adults and say, okay, I give you a dollar. You go to the store with it. You buy five oranges for four cents each. You buy six bananas for seven cents each. You buy three apples for five cents each. How much change do you have after you've bought them? I don't actually know. I wasn't paying attention. Who knows? Anyone? We got some math people in the room? Well done. I don't know if it was good. I'm assuming it was right. But then I'd answer, and I don't know if my aunts and uncles did not know the answer or if they were just humoring me, but they seemed really impressed by my knowledge. And so quickly, this became a thing. I thought, man, people like this. This is something about me. I will get better at this. This will become who I am. And I did not come up here to brag tonight, but I'm going to have to. You are looking at fifth grade, Happy Valley Elementary School. Okay. Are you serious? Did we go to the same elementary school? Have Happy Valley. My team from Happy Valley Elementary School, State of Washington, fifth grade math Olympiad champions. I still have that trophy. It hangs above our mantle. And something happened to my face. Okay. I got cut. Uh, that was a good year, people. Fifth grade, math Olympiad champion. I didn't want to say it, but that does bring a ton of value to me. Even as I replay that, I feel more worthy as a person to be up here. I'll tell you what, that wasn't that dangerous, right? That wasn't that dangerous. That did not become everything. That did not become my whole life that I could not live without. But it did start me on this journey of figuring out what I was worth, a journey that really uh, got me into college. Okay, when I got to college, I came here to the University of Washington in 2001. Okay, now I came here to play football. I don't share that a ton because it's, um, it's a more interesting part of my story. Okay, but I, uh, I was recruited here to play football at UW and then they decided... You're not good enough. We're not gonna offer you a scholarship, which is totally fine. I still have a lot of worth. Um, but I came here anyways. I came in and they said, we'd like to have you, have you walk on the team. So I walked on the team and I, I joined the team. And uh, my freshman year, okay, I was on the football team and I, was, I played inside linebacker and I was fifth string. I did not know there were five strings. 
Uh, I was pretty much the hundredth guy on a hundred man team, uh, but I was on the team and uh, it was, it, you know, I'd go to practice and I realized, I thought I was decent in high school, but in college, I was not. Everyone was way bigger, way faster, way more athletic. I quickly realized I'm never going to play in a game. Uh, these guys are way more athletic than me, way more talented. Um, but something happened outside of the team. And that is every other area of my life, people loved that I was on the football team. In my fraternity, that is all we talked about. I would come down for breakfast. How's the team gonna be today? How's the team gonna be this week? How was practice today? How, was, uh, how are we gonna do on Saturday? Big shout out to the dogs this last Saturday, by the way. Uh, huge win against Oregon. For some of us that have been around for a while, not seen a home win against Oregon since 2003, kind of got old. Uh, that was when I was on the team. So that was a long time ago. Um, oh, that's because I didn't think you'd believe me, okay? Um, also halfway through my freshman year, I actually switched numbers to 32 because somebody else wanted my number. And they said, eh, somebody else wants your number. So they gave it to somebody else. Um, Here's the thing, that was what it was like inside the team, okay? But every other place in the fraternity, people loved it. Guess what else? Girls really liked that. When I'd go out, I would bring it into conversation all the time. I was not that cool of a guy. I was, I don't know the language that you guys use these days. The language I would use is, is kind of a tool, um, if that's something you would still say. I would find ways to bring it into conversation all the time. All right, guys, I gotta go. I gotta get up really early tomorrow. What for? Uh, you know, I gotta work out, got, got practice in the morning. Oh, what for? Uh, nothing, just football, you know, no big deal. Oh, you play football here? Yeah, you know, I don't know. That's kind of how it went, huge tool. Um, <laughs> you would not have been friends with me if you knew me my freshman year of college. But other people did too. I mean, my, my, my parents came to all the games. My mom did not even watch the games. After the games, we'd go out to dinner and she'd be like, oh my gosh, one time on the sideline, you were talking to this guy. What were you guys talking about? I was like, mom, just watch the game. Don't watch me on the sideline the whole game. My grandparents would call, my grandpa would call me all the time, checking in about the team. People just loved it. I, my parents' friends, I knew they talked about it so much because all my parents' friends, whenever they'd interact with me, we'd talk about football and I loved it. And it became everything to me. And I'd go to practice and I would be really low on the depth chart and I would work really hard and I would get beat up by much bigger guys on the field. And then I, was th I would think, I don't know if I want to keep playing. Like I got to the end of my freshman year and I thought, I, I'm looking around at the other guys on the team. I don't think I will ever play in a game. Why am I working out so hard and being a part of this? And, and then I started to picture my life without it. Here's why I kept playing, honestly, after my freshman year. I thought, if I don't have this in my life, I, I don't have value. This is all anybody talks to me about. What will people talk to me about if this thing is not in my life? Like, how will I have any value to people? And so I kept playing. And sophomore year, I did the same thing. I did not move up, again, fifth string. And, and, and I thought, you know, it was, it was more fun and I enjoy the game. But when I started to picture my life without it, I, I couldn't. I thought, no, I, I, I have to keep playing. My whole identity is wrapped up in this. This is who I am. And without this, I'm worthless. And, and then something crazy happened. Okay, we got into my junior year. <laughs> And people were kind of hurt in the off season and I played a little more in spring ball. And then, and then I got to the fall camp and, and something happened and I just kind of ended up moving up the depth chart and making a few plays. And I made the traveling team. 
okay? My junior year here. And I started playing in games, okay? I was a second string inside linebacker and I started playing special teams. My first game, we played at Ohio State to open the year in 2003. Okay, I started playing in games and they did an article on me uh, in the school newspaper, which it wasn't that flattering at all. It showed me stretching on the sideline in a picture, <laughs> which is not as cool as I thought. Um, and all of a sudden, like my junior year started to be this really good year for me. Came back in the fall. I was, I was dating a girl who was, who was a cheerleader on the, on the football team here that, that people seem to like. And, and I, I just got into the construction management program here, which was kind of my dream major. And I finally got in and I'm playing in games. I'm traveling with the team. I'm on the field on Saturdays. I don't just have to tell people I'm on the team. They can see it. And really like, when I was a junior here, I had a lot of the things in my life that people would look at and tell you that is the college dream. That is what's going to make you happy. That is what you're working for, that you want, that will fill your life. My junior fall was the most miserable time of my life. During the day, it was cool. There was a lot of attention. There was a lot of noise. I would go home at night and, and when the music stopped and, and I laid down, I just felt so unfulfilled by the things that I had been looking to, to fill me. Kind of came to a head at the end of the season. I, uh, you know, I made some choices, probably not the best life choices. And, and, and I was, you know, but, but what you'd look at from the outside, you go, man, that's the college dream. That's the college life. That's everything I want. And I just, I felt miserable, I hated who I was. I was unsatisfied at the end of the day. I, you know, I, I grew up in a, going to church, I grew up in a Christian family. I, I, I knew God, um, but I, I had no idea what this term meant to find your identity in God. That's just a weird term, it's, it's hard to understand, hard to know how to live that out. Um, and, and my whole identity, was, was in these things of the world and, and, and being a football player here. Um, and so junior year, when I came back in the winter, I just said, okay, God, if you're real, if you're real, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be something more than this. And I started coming out here on Tuesday nights, honestly, right where you're sitting. And I had been here before a handful of times, um, but I started coming out. They advertised uh, the trip to the Dominican Republic, which some of you guys might've been on um, over spring break. And it was the first year we did it. First year the end did it. And uh, I decided, okay, I'm gonna go on that trip because I don't know why, but I'm, I'm gonna take a, a risk. And I walked into the room and I didn't know anybody. There were 65 people in the room. I didn't know a single person. And I thought, okay, there's gotta be something more. What I'm currently going through is not doing for me what I had hoped it would do. And that's a big deal um, I think what it points to for me, my story, I, I, things really changed when I learned that my story fit into the story of God. And the story of God was not trying to fit him into my life to get the things that I wanted and make me happier, but that there was a bigger story that was happening around me. Okay, and I wanna to touch on that story. We're gonna walk through a little bit of the story of, the, of God over the next three, four weeks together. Okay, and, and I wanna take us all the way back. I wanna take us back to 
kind of the way things started. And, and when I was here, I started coming out to the end. I got in Mike Gaffney uh, was the head of the inn at the time, uh, currently runs Young Life College. And uh, some of you, he guest spoke at Bethany a week ago. Weren't you guys there? If you, if you are, you, it'll be, it would be cool because we're gonna touch on some things. He's been, he helped me understand who I was and, and what my identity was. And last week uh, at Bethany, he actually guest spoke. It's a great church. You should check it out if you haven't. Um, and uh, he guest spoke and uh, brought, brought this real big illustration, okay, to what the creation story looked like and actually brought people up front. I saw some of the people in this room uh, up front as guests, probably because we're bold in this room. We like to be up front. Um, and did this really good job of, a, of kind of a bigger presentation. And I wanna touch on a few things, okay, that he does a really good job at, and I just wanna point to them. And if you were there last Sunday, I want you to think about, you kind of got a bigger picture than just what we're gonna go through tonight. Um, but quickly, I want to take a look at what really is happening in the creation story and how that defines who we are. Cool? Okay, so Genesis really starts like this, okay? You have the Bible, um, and, and it starts with, with creation. Whether you believe it's figurative or literal, what you have is God in the very beginning, okay? And he starts creating, and he creates a bunch of stuff, okay? He creates the world, he creates water and land and animals and humans, okay? He creates men, women, he creates people, Adam and Eve, okay? And he creates all this other stuff as well, okay? He creates work. That's something that God created for us. He created relationships, Okay, for us to enjoy and be a part of relationships. He said, steward this earth to, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, okay? He created money, maybe not like paper money at the time, but resources, okay? He created land and water and he created rest. He created for us to, to rest and enjoy life. Okay, but right there in the middle is this, okay? In, in Genesis um, chapter one, Verses 26 and 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, this essentially is what's going on, okay? God, the intention, okay, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, creates, I'm gonna play the role here, okay, of man and woman in this, Adam and Eve, creates us with the intention, the way that we were originally intended to find life and worth and value, okay, was directly in this relationship with God, that this would be the place that gave us our life, and then we would turn to the things of this world, work, relationships, okay, uh, all this stuff, resources, and we would be great stewards of that. We would turn and get life from God. We would turn back to the world and, and we would work. And, and, and we were made in God's image and so we got our life over here and then we were just these great stewards. But something happened when the serpent came into the garden. Okay, and he said something to us, and then he said, you know, uh, did God really say you can't eat from this tree? He said, you know, God didn't say that, says, says Eve. Uh, we can eat from any tree. We just can't eat from this very one tree or we will die. And the serpent said, surely you will not die, but your eyes will be opened. You will be like God. 
And so tempted, wanting to be like God, when first sin entered into the world, it was us turning this way to this stuff and saying, there's now a broken relationship here. That instead of turning to God, getting life, turning to the world and stewarding these things, that instead we're turning to these things of the world and we've decided we are going to be God over them. And we never turned back. But something happened at that point. When sin entered the world, these relationships became broken. And now we live in a world that is a product of broken relationships. Okay, we see this all the time. Work. There's a brokenness to work. Okay, and and it's a place that we go to find our life. Because what happened is we said we are just going to be God over all these things, but instead, these things have become God to us. These are now the things that we look to to give us life. So instead of getting our life over here, we look at work or or school maybe for some of us or our grades or our performance and our entire life's worth and value is defined by what we do. Or it's defined by what grade we got or what major we got into. That's where I'm putting all my worth. So if I don't get into that major, if I don't get the A in this class, if I don't ace this test, if I don't have a job that my family's proud of, I don't have worth. Relationships. How huge is this? I want to be in a relationship. I'm putting all my value in that. My, I know who I am within a relationship, within a romantic relationship, within a close friendship, within a family relationship. That becomes our God. Money becomes our God. These things now have lorded over us. That's what we call idols in our life. Idols is kind of this Christian word, but really idols are things that we look to to do the things for us that God can only do for us. And so we're going to them to do something for us, but they were never intended to do that. And so they're gonna let us down. In fact, the places that I've been most let down in my life are actually when I feel super successful at these things, but then I wake up going, man, that that wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. That's my story. That's my story. That was, that was football for me, okay? I came to it going, man, hey, hey, this is the thing. This is the thing, okay? I'm separated from this relationship, but I'm just going to be God. But instead, this thing became God in my life. It became my everything. It became the thing that I needed to have worth. This is providing my worth. I want you to engage with your own story right now where you see this playing out in your own life. It's the thing we go to. Now, is there anything wrong with this? Is is there anything wrong with good things? Some of us are gonna push back in this room. There are good things. There are things that make me feel good. When I'm successful in my class, when when I get a job, when I hear compliments from other people that that are affirming me and giving me worth, those are fantastic things. I want you to have them. I want you to work hard in school. I want you to have great grades. I want you to have a great job. I want you to have great relationships. I want you to rest well. But this is what I want, us us to learn to, how do we turn to God and get life from him? Guess what? We did turn our back on God. There was separation here where we weren't able to engage in this relationship. But when Jesus died on the cross, what he did for us was pay the price so that this relationship can be reconciled. That we can turn back, be in relationship, be filled by God, and then turn to these other great things that he created and steward them well. 
I went on that DR trip my junior year. I met some people. I didn't tell anyone. I said, I'm not gonna tell anyone I play football here. I'm just gonna see if anybody will even like me. And it was more than just that. It was, it was meeting an authentic group of people around me that, that started telling me who I was and were very real about themselves. Just open, real, not trying to fake it. I think so many of us have, it may have been in experiences where we went and served alongside people or got involved in a community where we said these, this phrase, oh man, that is such a real community. Want to know the truth about that community though? They weren't the ones who were real. You were the one that was real. That's what made that community different. They might've been real as well, but the difference was it was a community that for the first time we were real about who we are. And it did something incredible for me. When I came back my senior year, I actually, I, I was growing so much and kind of learning about what it meant to turn to God to find life and then just steward football. And I was like, God, do you want me to keep playing or not? God, if you want me to keep playing, I'll keep playing. If you don't want me to keep playing, make it obvious to me. And, and, and I don't think it was that obvious. I'd love to say I kind of have burning bush moments in my life where God just speaks clearly and I know exactly, but that's not often how he speaks to me. And I just felt like God was like, you know what, whatever you do, I don't really care. But if you decide to play, don't find your worth in that. Learn to get your worth and your life from me. Turn and steward this thing. And my senior year was really cool. And it's a good thing I didn't put my worth in football because we went one in 10 that year. <laughs> At the time, it was the worst year in Husky football history. And every year we had alumni come back and like yell at us every week for not being good enough. It was a hard year. But that's not where my worth was. This was not going to be the thing that defined me. And that was 11 years ago. Have I figured this out? No, I do the same thing right now with work. Sorry, guys, story continues. I'm not as perfect as you wish I was. I do this all the time. I thought I had mastered this. I thought I had figured this out. This is a really hard thing for us to do. Even in the last 48 hours, I have been wrestling with this idea. What I do for my job is get up and talk to college students about Jesus and to not put their identity in their work or their school. But yeah, I think like, man, I need to be great. I need to be great. Otherwise, what will college students think of me? And if they don't like me, it's gonna devalue me. I think I've been wrestling with that the last 40 hours of like, how can I put so much worth in what other people think and get up and preach a message? I'm trying to turn this way to find life. I do that most Tuesday nights, to be honest with you. And the funny thing is that the, the ones that leave me feeling a little emptier are actually the ones that I'm putting my worth in how like a Tuesday night here goes and it goes great and there's great feedback and I go home going, yes. And then I still feel lonely from that. I still feel unfulfilled because that's where my worth was in my performance. Not in, not in, in just knowing God and letting him speak to me, learning to hear his voice. Guys, we don't master this. We're gonna keep talking about this. You're not gonna get it all in one night and go back and, and change everything, but here's what I want you to think about. We stand in the gap right here. You do it every day. There's something going on here that we're looking to for more than just being a good steward. It's not just a healthy relationship or romance or grades or job performance or athletic achievements or those type of things, but those are healthy. Those are good things. I want you to have all of them. 
But where in your life are they becoming more? Are they becoming the thing that your whole identity is in and you're hoping that it does something more for you than it was ever intended to do? And there's a reason it's not living up to what you hope for. Come back next week. We're gonna keep talking. We're gonna hear from Chris Thurton next week as he shares with us his story uh, and how we engage this a little bit further. What's the next step for us? My, my encouragement would be this. Okay, week one, pay attention. Pay attention when you go to bed at night. Maybe, maybe get something to write with, get something to write on before you, you know, watch Stranger Things or whatever you guys watch. Um, sit down for five minutes. Go, what did I use today to determine my worth? What did I, what did I do today that is determining my worth? What, how do I feel about myself right now? And why do I feel that way? So write it down, pay attention to that. We're gonna start engaging that. I want you to engage your own story. As we ask this question, am I worth it? Let me pray for us. God, um, so often in my life, I wish there was a quick fix. God, I wish I knew the three steps just to take and, and all of a sudden um, be a whole full person that knew exactly what it meant to find my worth in you. Um, God, help us out. Help us out tonight as we gather, as we wrestle, as we engage our stories, as we bring encouragement into this place, as we bring encouragement to others, as we help others learn to define themselves not by what we think of them, not by the work of their hands, by relationship with a God who loves us and created us in his image, in your image. God, we thank you for creating us in your image and giving us the chance to find life and worth in you. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen.